Graham Richardson and it's been some time since I've done one of these podcasts because as you all probably know I haven't been all that well. I had seven months in hospital but I am out, I am alive, I am breathing and there is a future. Uh, now that having been said, there's so much happened in the eight months since I last did one of these that it's hard to know where to start. But probably the best place to start is with our own Malcolm Turnbull because uh, I find uh, his fall from grace quite extraordinary. Very, very, very rarely do you see a poly reach such dizzy heights of popularity and then fade so dramatically as Turnbull. And it's worth, I think, examining why. Why does? Why is it suddenly that, uh, that Australians don't seem to warm to him? Well, obviously as a person, no one warms to him really. He's got very few friends. Um, and uh, the trouble with the bloke is he's always been pretty arrogant. Um, now, to get the job, he had to agree to be a, a consultative person, which is totally, totally out of character for the, for the bloke. Uh, and I don't think it's terribly convincing. And the difficulty is now that the mistakes keep coming from him, and he, he doesn't seem to want to own any issue. For instance, the other day, he decides that he's going to announce that he, he won't reappoint Julian Triggs as uh, chairman of the um, Human Rights Commission next year. That's all he does. He didn't give any reasons why. He didn't get up and, and, and call her what, what he should have called her. He didn't get stuck right into her, get right up her. He didn't own the issue. He just visits them and walks away. And, of course, when it comes to things like gay marriage... Um, you've had that fiasco where everybody knew what they were putting up wasn't going to get up in the uh, in the Senate, but he made no real effort to compromise on it. He just barged ahead to defeat. And you have to wonder why. Uh, I might also say I'm staggered at the gay lobby anyway because they copped it. And all, all it's done is push gay marriage further down the track. We don't know how many years, a minimum of two or three, but it could be longer. Uh, and here was a chance, because I don't think in a referendum there'd have been any problems whatsoever for them to just sweep through. But still, they wouldn't do it. And it, uh, it suited Malcolm because he'd promised the right wing that uh, he wouldn't get out there and support gay marriage. And obviously, he managed to uh, to agree with them, uh, and he managed to just go along with, with his right. And of course, going along with the right is part of the problem for him. He's a believer in climate change in a, in a party where too many don't believe in it. And so in, in the end, he just walks alongside climate change. He won't embrace it, but then again, he won't push it further enough away. And this is the problem. He doesn't seem to stand for anything. I think, you know, for a bloke who was, who was going to show us, you know, what Australia could be, and it was a great time to be an Australian... If you look at the record, he's had 12 months and he's done absolutely nothing. And then you look forward to next year and you say, what's he going to do already? It's pretty obvious that when the budget comes down, there will be no effort to sort out debt or deficit. And debt or deficit are a huge problem. Huge. Now, you remember the last election, you remember the one before. What happens is the Liberals just bucket Labor uphill and down Dale for mismanagement of the economy. And the way they judge the management of the economy is how big the deficit is and how big the uh, the debt is. Well, I don't know how they're going to campaign on next time because under this government, whether it was Tony Abbott or Malcolm Turnbull, 
the budget deficit continues to get much, much worse, and so does national debt. It just goes up and up. I actually think that our AAA rating is in danger, and I suspect we'll lose it at Christmas. Uh, I think things are, are, are really tough uh, in Australia. And I, I've got to say one thing to be um, a, a little bit favourable towards towards uh, Malcolm Turnbull and, and Scott Morrison, and that is I don't think the electorate allows you anymore to do what you need to do because pollies are so timid and won't take on an issue, won't go out and explain their position and push and fight for it, then what happens is we, do, we tend to just do nothing. We tend to do whatever is acceptable, and what's acceptable, normally speaking, is, uh, is no cuts to anything. Because if you cut anything, anything whatsoever, uh, you get into strife. Now, I notice here we are, you know, we're extending uh, the, pr- the proposed paid parental leave so each per- mum gets an extra $1,300 or something. I mean, you all should think about this. How does Australia afford this? It's extraordinary. I mean, middle-class welfare, we're just giving away in, in buckets. We just stand at the front gate and hand out money. At some point, someone somewhere has to say, this is wrong. Someone somewhere has to have the courage to stand up and say to Australians, listen, we're living way beyond our means and we need to do much, much better. There, there will have to be some cuts to welfare. We're going to have to break this down, and if we don't, then Australia's headed for hell in a handbasket and in a hurry. There's no sign whatsoever that the Liberals, who of course have always prided themselves on being the economic managers, there's no sign whatsoever that they're going to move towards that. And the intriguing thing, of course, is that Turnbull got rid of Tony Abbott on the basis that he kept losing news polls. Well, guess what? You look at the last five news polls and it doesn't look too flash for Malcolm Turnbull. In fact, those figures of 53, 47... They are devastating. They're huge figures. They're big numbers. That means massive loss of seats for, uh, for the Liberals. And I think that's, that's a phenomenon that they're going to have to live with because they're not improving. He's not improving. You know, the, he would have to start to, to earn his stripes. He'd have to start to, to have people respect him and like him. Well, they don't. I've seen some research on Turnbull, which is pretty devastating. He's getting pretty close to the stage of being unelectable. And that was unimaginable even a year ago. Unimaginable. But now people have just, the whole of Australia has not warmed to this bloke. His own party hasn't warmed to him. There's all sorts of strife around the place, and I don't think he's the man to fix it. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires. But you watch the future of our Prime Minister. I think he's in a fair bit of trouble. Now, of course, that follows on from what happened in America. And I have to comment on on Donald Trump. I mean, um, I, I can't believe he got up. Uh, I've never seen a bloke able to contradict himself in the same speech twice, regularly, not just once, not just twice, but regularly, to be able to stand up in one of the debates and say, no, I never said that, and then have them replay where he said it. It, it happens all the time with Trump. And yet, none of that did him any harm whatsoever which shows that the hatred, and it's the right word, the hatred of political correction of, uh, and of, 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 you might say, the, uh, the elites is palpable in America. Uh, there's a whole lot of disenfranchised people, those Rust Belt states. I mean, have a look at them. 
the idea that the Democrats could lose Michigan is, well, it's unthinkable. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm just still scratching my head as to how the bloke won. Around America, Hillary Clinton had uh, something like 500 officers just under. He had 200. So she should have been the one getting the vote out. But the vote didn't come out. There's only 50% odd turnout uh, in the election. Uh, and uh, she won the popular vote, uh, but not the Electoral College. Now, it's, it's just staggering. Now, obviously, there were weaknesses in, in Hillary Clinton. There always have been. But that having been said, the interference of the FBI with two weeks to go is just stunning. They broke their own rules. They're not supposed to announce investigations like that. Uh, and so the uh, FBI director will no doubt he'll be safe under... Uh, under Trump because he, he did Trump an enormous favour. And I have no doubt that affected the result because he didn't declare it was all nonsense until about three days w were left, by which time, of course, the damage had been done. But the reality was he or they already had almost every one of those emails were already in the possession of the FBI. Surely to God he could have found that out before he opened his mouth. But it seems to me he didn't want to. It seems to me this was a plot. This was a, I'll get that bitch, and he did. Um, and I, uh, I regret the fact that the Democrats don't have any power because I think what he did was a disgrace. Doesn't matter where you stand in politics, you can't use the FBI or the or the police agencies as some sort of political weapon. They're meant to be above politics, and in this case, they weren't. Getting back to Trump, you have to wonder what Trump will do and what he won't do because no one knows. It changes every day. He gets in and uh, he's sticking to his promise about the Pacific Partnership. Uh, he's going to issue a notice, he says, to uh, uh, cancel it, notice of intent, um, to cancel the US participation in it. So that part's over. How far he goes with, with other uh, free trade agreements, no one really knows. But it's not a, not a healthy sign. I might say it's voodoo economics anyway. Um, all this stuff about I'm going to bring American jobs back to America, the jobs they've lost to China and India and Malaysia and Korea are never coming back. They're never coming back because the price was too great. And, and I, I've got to ask you, how many of you are driving uh, around now in, in foreign cars? And the answer will be almost all of you um, because we, we stopped making them here in the last year or so. But no one was buying our cars. That's why we stopped making them. The reality is it's the same in America. You can't just change the world by declaring you're changing it. You, you have to actually do something about it, and there's nothing you can do. Remember, the very same workers who are angry about displacement were all driving foreign cars anyway. Everybody wants the cheapest price for every good. And so you can't, you, you can't pretend that you're going to bring all these jobs back. You might have to create new ones in different areas. That's possible, but there's no way, no way known to humankind that you're going to be able to do anything, anything at all, about bringing jobs back to America. And I note, too, he's now softened even on climate change. He was calling it a great fraud, fraud invented by China a month ago. Now he's saying he's got an open mind. Well, I, I, mean, I just I don't understand this bloke at all. I don't understand how he gets away with that sort of thing. He's now no longer going to pursue Clinton even though he announced during one of the debates he was going to appoint a special prosecutor to get uh, to investigate her. That's over now as well. 
And Mitt Romney, who says during the campaign that a, a, a vote for Trump is as worthless as a degree from Trump University, is a massive critic now crawling and groveling on the ground to try and get a job off Trump. I find that pathetic. Um, probably not a bad idea for Trump, but in terms of, uh, of, of the quality of someone like Mitt Romney, I, it just seems to me that his character is showing. If you'll, if you'll work for someone you detest, just so you can get a job, just so you can travel the world and have cameras poked in your face and, and be important again, is pretty pathetic to me. In the end, you've got to have more principle than that. He has none. I find that really, really sad. From six weeks ago, when everyone was predicting doom and gloom for the Republicans and how would they recover, the doom and the gloom is now with the Democrats. How do they recover? I'll tell you one thing. I, I know it's, it might be now becoming a tradition of running first ladies, but if ever there was an impressive person in American politics, it has to be Michelle Obama. She's unbelievable incredibly articulate, and most of all, really, really likable. And uh, maybe she's the one to run. Uh, but Trump is an open book. We don't know what he's going to do because he doesn't know yet. I'll be fascinated to see what his cabinet looks like. Um, I'm, I'm appalled at the look of some of them, but still, um, we, we shall see how, we, how it all goes. And I'll, um, I'll talk to you about that when all the uh, announcements have been made. Uh, the intriguing thing is how people link it, uh, this voter anger, if you like, how people link it uh, to Pauline Hanson. There is some, some ways you can, you can link them. Uh, Pauline Hanson hasn't got any policies other than to make you scared of things. She knows how to do that. She's good at it. Uh, and there are things that people are scared of that we, we don't talk about because we think we're going to be labelled racist or something. The truth is... Your average Aussie is worried about Muslim immigration, and she plays upon that. Um, and, the, and the thing is, that's fertile ground for her. The major parties won't say that. The major parties won't say there's anything wrong at all. But the mob out there, they don't like it. And it seems to me that unless and until the major parties address it, there's fertile ground upon which uh, she can plant some seeds. And I think we have to be very careful of the way she's going. The Queensland election will be a good test, but I am, I've got to say, very worried. Mind you, always hard to know where her preferences go. Labor won the seat of Herbert. You remember that one that in the end came down to about 30 votes? That's the seat that's Townsville-based. Labor won that on her preferences, um, which is intriguing. She, it's a funny pattern, this. She's got two areas of support, country and city. It's, it's in the safe Labor electorates and the safe National Party electorates that she has the most support. Uh, and it's intriguing to me, but obviously the poorer you are, the more likely you are to be disgruntled, and the more disgruntled you are, the more likely it is that you'll go and vote for, uh, for um, Pauline Hanson. And then, of course, you have to look at what's happened overseas. Brexit was an extraordinary vote. Every single poll, and I repeat, every single poll talked about how uh, Brexit was, there was no way in the world it could get passed. Uh, and yet um, it romped in. It just romped in. And even from the early stages of counting, you could see the trend. Uh, and so there's a, there is, you know, I know it's an old phrase, 
But there is a silent majority out there who don't talk much. I mean, in America, if you look at the polls, they kept say, saying Hillary was in front. There's two reasons for that. One, the polls have not kept up with the fact that people don't have home lines anymore. I mean, the landline to the home, uh, I think about 20% of people don't have them. They just rely on their mobiles. And so I don't think the technology has kept up with that. And so you're not getting to everyone. And secondly, it's a bit disreputable, you know, to say... I'm voting for Donald Trump. Everyone's happier if you say, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. So I think people simply lie. I think that, that when the pollster asks them, they just they think they tell the pollster what they think the pollster wants to hear. Oh, I'm voting for Hillary, when in fact they're not. And, uh, and I don't know how you beat that, but you know our polls, fortunately, especially news polls, uh, still seem to get it right every time. So uh, we're, we're, we are fortunate indeed in that respect. Um, and, uh, you know, the polls in, in, in Britain were wrong about Brexit, I think, for the same reasons. Um, I think there's a silent majority out there, resentful, angry, hurt. Uh, and, uh, and, and every now and again, if they get a chance to demonstrate how unhappy they are, and bang, you get hit with it. And I think that's what happened to David Cameron, who I think was a pretty good prime minister in every single respect. He did well, well with the economy. He was, he was noted about it. This bloke had the goods, and he finished up losing on, on that one issue. And I think that's bad for the Conservative Party. Um, but in the, in the end, it'll be bad for all of us, because what's happening is governments are gun-shy. What's happening all around the world now is governments are very reluctant to do anything that might hurt anyone. And yet, with the debt problems that, that, that exist around the world, every government needs to do something. If you look at Trump, here he is, the Republican Party chief, and he's going to increase the deficit in a country that's already got trillions of dollars of deficit. He's going to increase it. It just strikes me as staggering. Big tax cuts at a time when you're, you're in massive debt? Tell me that makes sense. I, just, I don't think any of that adds up. And then when you look around, even in places like France, that Marie Le Pen, she's, she's going really well, really. She's actually a chance to win the presidency. Now that's scary. That's because yeah, she's so far right wing. It's uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you, you'd hate to use the word fascist, but by God, she's close. Um, and I I, uh, I find that really frightening. So around the world, there is a growing problem with this, and the beneficiary here, no doubt, will be Pauline Hanson. I mean, there's all sorts of troubles for her. She's got this idiot Carlton who's who's in the High Court and who's in trouble with the magistrate in Queensland, and I mean, he's obviously a goose. The trouble is he's her goose, and uh, how you unscramble that egg, I don't know. Apparently, if he leaves, either his wife or his brother-in-law get the job, so it's a family affair in Western Australia, one nation, and I think they're going to have all sorts of problems uh, with, with that, depending upon what the High Court may decide. So we've got a whole range of problems here, and the last one I want to talk about is Bruce Baird. Um, no one ever has dropped in popularity as fast as him. Massively popular. Uh, Mike, Mike Baird, um, massively popular. Massively popular even as, as long ago as a year. And in one year, dissipated all of that goodwill, all of it, every single bit of it. And uh, the decision on, on uh, greyhound racing was obviously stupid, crazy. Um, but typical of Baird, made in his office with his staff, 
consulted absolutely no one in the coalition, no politician at all, and uh, had no idea, I don't think, because he would never have been to a dog track. Um, he had no idea how many dog tracks there were around New South Wales in a bush. Um, and so in the end, after the Orange by-election, extraordinary result where you lose a seat that's nearly 22% um, uh, to the shooters who are now called shooters, fishers and farmers, uh, they're going to create a hell of a problem for the National Party around uh, around New South Wales in the next federal election. Uh, they are absolutely determined to become the second party. And uh, I tell you what, having had a look at that result the other day, you'd have to give them some chance. And uh, I, I, I mean, it's sad to me that someone like Troy Grant resigns. Uh, his, what was Troy Grant's crime? He was loyal. What Troy Grant did was stick to Mike Baird, uh, stick to his leader. And stupidly, in the end, he should have said straight away, listen, in the bush they won't cop this, so I can't go along with it. Had he done that, it never would have happened. But he acquiesced, he, uh, he, uh, he ran down the loyal path and he finished up getting himself sacked. And I, I, I find that amazing. Mind you, it just shows you the quality of people. He tried for 24 hours to hang on to his job after Orange. 24 hours he's ringing around. And what does he do? Drop a bucket on his mate, who's, who's the godfather of one of his children, um, to try and uh, hang on to his job. Unfortunately... All sorts of people are abound in politics and they're not necessarily the nicest people in the world. Some are, but one thing's for sure, he isn't. Um, and so now you, you face an uncertain future in New South Wales. Baird, given the last election, should have been safe for a long, long time. But Luke Foley, the opposition leader, is in with a show here. And I find that a staggering thing to say. I'll make one other comment on Mike Baird. When he... Uh, he opened his mouth about um, the uh, election. He refused to do anything about Orange. He simply announced the new railway. And that new railway, there are no plans for it. There's no budgeting for it. It's just the lamest, weakest, most hopeless attempt to try and divert people's attention. That is pathetic. But what that shows is a thing called desperation. Mike Baird has every single reason to be desperate. And I think over the coming year, we'll all find out how desperate he's going to be.